Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Now it's time to talk about James Comey, the former FBI director whose book, A Higher Loyalty, is a bestseller. On Monday, the New York Times revealed that special counsel Robert Mueller's questions for Donald Trump include several about his firings of Comey. Presumably, Mueller is pursuing an obstruction of justice case. For comment on Comey in his book, we turn to Elizabeth Drew. She's a Washington journalist and author of the book, Washington Journal Reporting Watergate and Richard Nixon's Downfall. She wrote about Hillary Clinton's campaign memoir, What Happened for the Nation. She also writes for the New York Review, The New Republic, and other publications. Elizabeth Drew, welcome to the program. I'm happy to be here. Well, the heart of Comey's book is his account of the campaign and that famous announcement that he was reopening the FBI investigation of Hillary Clinton's email 11 days before Election Day. You say the book's explanation of why he did that is different from what he's been saying in the interviews for his book tour. Uh, please explain the differences. Well, I, what I did was not only read the book, but I watched him all week. Yeah. To see, uh, and I was very surprised because uh, he contradicted himself in a number of respects in the book. You're right, 90% of that book is his life and uh, his previous cases, and then like the last 10% are, are the campaign. So in the book he said that the reason he had announced it, uh, that he was reopening the uh, investigation, was because he was so worried that he assumed Hillary would win, because that's what the polls were saying. And uh, if I may interpolate as I go, it, query whether the director of the FBI should be a cephologist in the word of people who, you know, track the polls and guess elections. Anyway, he assumed she'd win, and he said that, therefore, if she won and he hadn't said that she was under investigation, her whole presidency would be uh, suspect or delegitimized. So he was only thinking of her. Then in, on the book tour, I heard him give uh, a couple of other reasons which were that he and uh, Loretta Lynch, the attorney general, had said that the case was closed, and then it wasn't. And so, you know, what was he to do? He simply had to announce it was reopened. And then the third one was that the whole Justice Department and FBI would be under suspicion if uh, they granted it to uh, Hillary because it would put them all under suspicion. He didn't want to do that to his beloved FBI and the Justice Department. So which was it? You know, it was a shifting rationale. My own view was you have to start earlier. This started, as you know, John, 
when a bunch of uh, emails was found on the laptop of Anthony Weiner. It's gets a little wild here. He was the was the husband of Huma Abedin, uh, Hillary's closest aide and close close friend and confidant. They were married then, but uh, Weiner had this unfortunate habit of sending uh, to young people pictures of his parts uh, erect, and uh, so he was being investigated. He'd been caught at it. He was being investigated, and they found all these emails. Now, my own view is that he said both that he had and that he hadn't gotten a warrant by the time that he said the case had been reopened. So whichever it was, I couldn't see why he didn't get a warrant, and they couldn't. maybe they couldn't get through all the emails, but a quick rifling through the beginning, the middle, the end, would have signaled to them what it was, as these were copies of emails that had already been examined. And they could have spared themselves the whole agony and the argument over whether or not he cost Hillary the election. The difference in the three final states that made the difference, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, the whole difference that all the, with all three combined was 80,000 votes. So a lot of factors could go into that. And my, again, if, if, I think if Hillary had been a stronger candidate, she wouldn't have been so vulnerable to that announcement, but she was a strong candidate, as people thought, and so she was vulnerable to whatever happened, but he wasn't the only reason she lost. A lot of people have been disturbed by the inconsistency or the unequal treatment of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Donald Trump was also under, in Donald Trump's campaign was also under investigation for right. Russian interference. James Comey did not feel obligated to reveal that. He has some explanations. Remind us what they are and what do you think of them? His explanation is that it really wasn't Trump yet, and it wasn't the campaign. He said we were looking at a few individuals to see uh, if they were playing with Russia. So he said it was much too early to announce it. And normally, the normal practice is the Justice Department and the FBI never announce when they're investigating someone. So he went by the book. I think the difference is he went by the book with Trump, but with Clinton, he gotten himself into this situation, but he was the one. You said, I think you have to connect it with, he was the one who announced that she had been investigated and they weren't going to bring charges. Now, normally the role of the FBI is to investigate and recommend to the uh, Justice Department whether they should prosecute or not, but it's the Justice Department that makes that decision. And Comey took it upon himself to not only investigate, but make the decision and then give these extra ex-cathedra comments on how Hillary's she and her people had been very reckless in handling the material. And that was totally out of line. You don't do that. And so he said he had to take it from the Justice Department because Ms. Lynch had met with members of the famous uh, meeting at the tarmac yeah. when... when uh, Bill Clinton went on to her airplane, which was a foolish thing to do. Nobody knows what happened in that conversation. I seriously doubt he said, no, you're not going to prosecute my wife, are you? I really don't think he'd be that dumb. He was just probably thought he could just charm her. Yeah. In any, in any event, so that was the reason. But he went way beyond the, uh, the norms of the uh, way these things are handled. And normally what would happen, let's, so Loretta Lynch took herself out of it. She said, okay, this happened, so I won't get in on the decision to prosecute. Normally, that then goes to the deputy attorney general, 
or to the head of the criminal division. But Comey saying afterwards, his rationale in the book was that any any decision by any part of the Justice Department would be would be could be tainted or considered tainted. So he was going to take care of it himself. So I think from then on, he just had a you know his own view of how to handle this. Both of them were not right. I don't think he was being partisan. Let me just say that. I don't think he was being pro-Trump. I don't think there was anything in him to be pro-Trump. I think it was just he got it right when he handled Trump, and he didn't get it right when he handled Hillary. I don't disagree with what he did about Trump. Uh, I just think they could have handled the uh, discovery of Hillary's emails in some way that would have told them more quickly, uh, hey, these are old emails, and so there's nothing here. But he was also under a lot of internal pressure from the, some agents in the in Washington Bureau and many agents in the New York Bureau who were saying, uh, you know, you've got to, you've got to make a new investigation. You've got to get it out there. We're going to leak it. And Rudy Giuliani was saying, oh, you can't, you know, something big is coming. So how did he know it was being leaked to him? So he was kind of cornered by his own people, Comey was. That's a management problem. That's not a legal principle. Yeah. And then there's the question of impeachment. Comey had some, uh, I would say, remarkable views of impeachment that uh, that he's expressed uh, during the publicity tour for the book. You know a lot about the impeachment of Richard Nixon. It's the central event in your book, Washington Journal, reporting Watergate and Richard Nixon's downfall. Remind us what Comey has said about impeaching Trump. Well, he said two different things. Again, in the interview with George Stephanopoulos, which was the first one, it was that Sunday night, yeah. an hour-long interview on ABC, and he said to George, who asked if he thought Trump should be impeached, he said, no, that would be a cop-out. It's much more important that the American people take it upon themselves to vote him out of office. Well, this showed no understanding of the point of impeachment, which the founders put in there. You know, the presidency is Article 2 in the Constitution, and the first part of Article 2 is impeachment. And then, and then they get to the powers of the presidency. They felt so strongly about it. And the point was to have recourse during a president's uh, time in office if he is breaking the law or doing, you know, terrible things so bad that it calls for an impeachment. Otherwise, there's no recourse. So he must have been told by some people that he got it wrong, because the next time Stephen Colbert asked him about it, and he changed it, and he said, well, the facts and the law will decide whether or not there's impeachment, but he just wants the American people to think hard about our values. That was, that's what he kept saying throughout the book, that that was really the point of his book. And I think the problem is, I'm sounding pretty harsh on him, and I, I'm not as harsh as many of the critics, was that he was writing a revenge book because he, you know, he was so stunned and shocked and angered at having his really quite long and quite honorable public career cut short by Trump because Trump was mad at him. So he was getting even, and that's very problematic. Question whether he should, he's a witness in the investigation, in Robert Miller's investigation. So, should a witness be writing a book? And, you know, people will resent him for making money off of stuff that he owed the system, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think he just, I think Comey is actually an honorable, basically an honorable man who played the angles a bit too much and he was just kept getting it wrong. I think there's a bit of a tin ear, too, with him. You said, you called this 
the idea of writing a revenge book was improper because Comey is at least potentially a witness uh, in Robert Mueller's case. Exactly what kind of witness is he and what is the crime that he may have witnessed? Well, I said it was. Yeah, they were problematic. Revenge books are problematic. I didn't say there are those who think it was improper. I didn't get to that point, but I, I understand that argument that he just should have waited. But uh, you know, and it certainly looks like it. Who's I? What I was stayed away from was his, you know, mental mo- motives. We can't know, you know, what he was really thinking. But it certainly, to many people, will look like well, he was just trying to cash in on this, or he wanted to get even with the president. He would be a witness because one of the uh, major charges, if there are going to be any, or maybe the major charge, if they don't find collusion, which I think they will, because I think it's there. But anyway was that a charge that Miller is very likely to bring, it appears, is obstruction of justice. And a major factor in that was the firing of Kobe. So he is a witness in that, and he is a witness in this series of events that he put in his memos of the president doing various things that were trying to block the investigation or block parts of it, telling his, you know, Trump telling Comey to uh, please let it go with Flynn, and a couple of times. And so uh, the things he wrote in his memos was really part of, part of, the, uh, part of the inquiry into whether tr- Trump should be called for obstructing justice. Now, uh, stay with me. An impeachable offense is not the same thing as a crime. Something can not be a crime, but be an impeachable offense. For instance, Nixon was uh, cited for obstruction of justice. But you don't have to prove intent in an impeachable offense. For a crime, you have to prove intent. And all that Kobe, all that uh, Mueller can do is look for crimes. That's his uh, that's his assignment. But you could separate if if Congress were of a mind to impeach Trump, which they are not, and I don't know whether they ever will be. Uh, it depends on the Republicans. Then you wouldn't have to prove intent. But in any event, Kobe's, uh, the way Trump, Kobe was approached by the president, you know, a couple of times to leave, uh, leave Flynn out of this and then being fired. And as you remember, the president said to Lester Holt on television, it, the Russia thing was on his mind when he fired Kobe. Yeah. So it's pretty clear to me that there's, that there's a obstruction. They're both criminal and uh, impeachable. Elizabeth Drew, she wrote about Comey's book for The New Republic, and I wrote about it for The Nation. Her highly relevant book is Washington Journal, reporting Watergate and Richard Nixon's downfall. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. It was fun. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.